This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. And welcome, everybody, to this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. I am your humble host, John Allen. And today I have with me a very special guest. Uh, this is this this guy. Well, he'll speak for himself, but uh, in my opinion, this man is a legend. This man is someone to be admired regardless of what you are doing in your life, regardless of what your focus is. Because this man, Mr. David Ricks, is the personification of stick to He is the personification of focus, of drive, of setting goals. Uh, David Ricks is a 10-time IPF World Powerlifting Champion, a 30-time USA National Champion. He's in the USA Hall of Fame. He's even in the Summit County Athletic Hall of Fame back home <laughs> in our uh, area of Ohio. And he is also a current world record holder and national record holder in powerlifting. Uh, David Ricks, how you doing, my friend? Awesome. I'm honored to be with you and be from, from another another folk from our region from Ohio. I'm from Barberton. You're from Norton. So this is like talking to another family friend. <laughs> how about that? How about that? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a little bit older than I am, but I do know some people who remember you from back then in those days. And, uh, and I have to tell you, everybody back home is very proud of of you and everything that you've gotten done in your life. You know, I see you're wearing your uh, your Navy shirt. You are a uh, a graduate of the Naval Academy. Am I right? That's correct. That's, uh, yeah. nineteen yeah nineteen eighty one graduate. Just went back in September. We celebrate our fortieth reunion. So oh wow, congratulations, <laughs> congratulations. Look, I I want to just jump right into it because you know I um I've been following your career even before I started with powerlifting, I was always a bodybuilder and I started with powerlifting in 2015. And, um, that year when I went back home to the States, you know, I'm living here in Norway, but I went back home and I competed in the nationals in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I was looking for you the whole time. And I couldn't find you. I got to meet a lot of the people who before that had just been faces on, on social media. Uh, and you were the only one that I was looking for, but I just didn't get to meet you. So, so this is the closest I can come to giving you a handshake because I, I haven't I, I haven't gotten the pleasure had the pleasure of meeting you yet, but um, but you are um, someone who I look up to. Um, you know, I'm 52 years old. You're 10 years older than me. You're 62, correct? That is correct. Yeah, and I'm on a mission. Uh, I'm still getting stronger. Uh, uh, every time I compete, I'm lifting more. And I'm trying to follow in your footsteps. I tell people I want to be like David Ricks when I grow up. And I know it's impossible for you to sum it up, but if you could just start talking about what is it with you and your mindset that allows you to continue to get better at what you're doing? Well, it's an interesting you know, point. It uh, When I started, I started when I was a, a senior at the Naval Academy, and they had a lifting club. Um, and I didn't, knew nothing about powerlifting, uh, but I knew I like to lift weights once in a while. And someone said, "Why don't you check out this powerlifting thing?" And that's how I got started. And the the type of uh, training was was how go heavy, you know, often, quick, every day, and go often. Yeah. And so we would squat heavy twice a week, and, and pull heavy, and then bench heavy. Uh, and and I was I was okay enough to actually qualify for the collegiate national. This is nineteen. 1981 and took third at collegiate nationals. Uh, but I never thought about powerlifting as a lifelong fitness, 
obsession. No. But I like the idea of just working to get better. Uh, and I'm a lifetime natural guy. So I, I only have my own personal goals. And also being a military officer, you got to set the standard. So I never thought about, you know, taking things to enhance, you know, my competitive nature because I thought I was just an average guy. Yeah. And plus being the military and, and so lifting was more just kind of like a, just to uh, fill my wellness goals in terms of just doing, being better. But as I got older in my late twenties, I uh, got, I was, I was stationed in Hawaii and, and I was able to uh, get a little better in terms of how to train. And that's how I was in my journey. But I think the, the key thing is also is keep everything in the proper perspective in terms yes. of fitness. Yes. Uh, Cause when you, uh, when you're, you know, you're, you're younger, very young and you're 20, you think all you live and breathe for fitness. And then you, yeah. life happens, you get married, you get kids and job and everything else. And so you, you have to put everything in proper perspective, but, but it's like anything in health. Like if you're a golfer or whatever, you just, you got to find ways to keep, keep, keep it moving. And you don't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be maxing out for whatever that is. You just have yeah, to yeah. Those keep, days, keep, those days were gone. <laughs> when I right around when I was 24, 25, that whole balls to the wall, lift as much as possible. Those days were gone. And then the thought process started coming in. How often should I train? Should I cycle uh, heavy, light, right. moderate? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you you hit the nail on the head, and so you you back off and you count a little more. So your goals become. Uh, a little more distinct, very concrete, and on an incremental basis. Well, what can I do for the next month versus saying I need to hit this big goal? Yeah. Uh, and because if you set smaller goals, achievable small goals, eventually the bigger goals all also happen just by accident. Not accident, but they are within within reach. Uh, and you know, as we get older, I used to think maybe once you get in your mid thirties, early, especially your forties, that you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to hit big numbers, and you kind of like drop off in terms of competitive numbers because you look at professional athletes, you know, once they get in the mid thirties, late thirties, you know, they, they, yeah. they, they retire from the sport, but, but you don't, but, as, but you don't, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but if you'd have told me that, you know, my age, at age 21 starting on the sport and then I'd be 40 years later still doing this. And all, oh, by the way, you'll set some, uh, some world records in the open at age 57. I said, mm, I think you're smoking something. So, um, <laughs> Uh, let me just say, uh, let me just say something for those that don't yeah. quite understand what powerlifting is all about. You know, there's a lot of different listeners uh, from a lot of different countries and not all of them are that familiar with powerlifting, but I want people to understand that you at the age of 57 and even older were setting records in outlifting people less than half your age. Uh, that is that that's that's a noteworthy accomplishment that is an accomplishment that i put up on the same level as the kind of things that um uh, that Michael Jordan did in basketball, you know, the kind of things that uh, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and those type of guys did in baseball, setting a new stand. Well, the baseball analogy maybe isn't that good because those guys were <laughs> drug assisted, but you, you understand yeah. what I'm saying. What you were doing, what you were doing, what you are doing in powerlifting is up on that level of accomplishment. I just want people to understand that. Yeah. And so, uh, and it's interesting because if you, I have, you know, uh, you know, moving around, job, whatever. I've taken time off the sport a year plus sometimes, and it slowly come back into it. And each time I come back into it, I would kind of, I would reset my goals and just say, hey, let me just see what I can get better every week, every week. And so breaking, uh, I said that, that that unique, significant accomplishment 
was, I think it was at the Arnold in 2016, no, 2017, setting the open squat record I at the Arnold that. in front of my parents. And so uh, and that was kind of, that was one of those, uh, you know, well, if you could, you know, shooting the last shot in a, in a basketball game, the winning shot. Yeah. But setting a world record in front of your parents, uh, you know, at an Arnold, which is a very, very big public event, that was like, that was like getting your cake and eat it too. Uh, and I had not planned to actually put the world record on the number on uh, to do it. It just it, everything kind of fell into place. It fell into place. You felt good that day, and you took your shot. Yeah, it, exactly. So, uh, but my training evolved, and so uh, just a little history about that journey. I had did the Arnold in 2014. I was living in Atlanta, and 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 I didn't have great numbers. I had great training numbers, but I didn't do as well as I wanted to. Uh, at the Arnold. And this let, let me just lifting. let me just interrupt yes. here because not everybody will know what the Arnold is. Uh, the Arnold okay. is the Arnold Schwarzenegger Sports. Uh, it's a sports festival uh, every year. I think he skipped over the last couple of years or something, but every year in Columbus, Ohio, and it's a gathering of different strength sports. So we're talking about the Arnold, the the USAPL powerlifting competition at the Arnold Sports Festival. Yeah, there you go. Just yeah, want to that, make sure that's that that correct. And so they have multiple powerlifting events over those two-day periods. Uh, and I was, uh, was fortunate enough to be uh, featured on on the main stage. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so I competed in 2014. I did okay, but I didn't do as well as I wanted to do. So a little disappointed. Plus my body was a little beaten up. And so I was March of 2014. And then by that summer, I had a job change. Uh, and then I went from Atlanta to Norfolk, Virginia. So for that nine months... Um, I really concentrated on, you know, finding a job. And so I was a little beat up. And, and at the time of the honor, I did equipped lifting, meaning that you wore a squat suit, you know, you wore knee wraps, uh, to help your lifting. Um, uh, and so I, so I took some time off from the sport, uh, transitioned to a new place in Norfolk, Virginia, and just to stay lifting in terms of staying in shape, but not in terms of really being a competitive lifter. And I thought, well, and I was eh, 55 at that time, 56. And I thought, well, my competitive days are over. Let me just, just be just a, yeah. just a gym lifter. Yeah. Uh, and then after I got into Norfolk, I found a little fitness gym. It felt pretty good. And by April of that year, uh, 2000, yeah, 2016, um, I, uh, I got the bug again. I said, I, I want to see if I can do this again. Uh, and so I started you know, working to get back in shape in May and I found a, uh, a, a local lift, a local competition in Maryland and Matt and Susie Gary, they're local fitness trainers and also the powerlifters. And I say, can I just, that's a couple of both? good people right there. A couple of legends it, in the power. They, they are, they're, 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 they're the salt of the earth. Uh, and I said, I need to re-qualify for the USAPL. And I'm just going to do the, the raw lifting. Uh, and, and it was just for new lifters. And uh, Matt Gary says, uh, sure, Dave. Uh, I said, I'm going to do token lifts and call it a day. He said, no, no, Dave, you need to do some competitive lifts. I love it. And I, said, <laughs> I love it. And I, said, and I said, Matt, I said, uh, I only going to be, I only got like five weeks for the five, six weeks for the tournament. He said, no, Matt. Matt says, Dave, no, they, if they figure out, they find out you're going to be at the meet, they want you to do something. And I said, I only got, I'm an older guy. I only got five, six weeks. And Matt says, that's not my problem. That's your problem. And so I, it, it kind of lit a fire underneath me. And so 
I was I got to shape. I pushed myself a little bit. But, but that shows uh, that's a that's a testament to your your humbleness, your humility. <laughs> uh, listen, we're, we're going to take a short break for a music break for those who are listening on the radio. Uh, you're listening to Coming Home with John Allen. This is David Ricks. When we come back after the music break, we're going to talk about uh, this gentleman's humbleness, humility in the face of being a lightning rod in the powerlifting world. This is Coming Home with John Allen. And now we're back with uh, David. David, continue your story about, uh, you know, because you were this humble guy. You weren't really thinking anybody. You weren't, you didn't consider yourself a celebrity in a powerlifting world. But Matt Gary kind of pointed a couple things out to you about what people would expect if you show up at this powerlifting meet. So, so local meet, I had 10 or 15 lifters. Yeah. And so this was July of 2015. Uh, and I was able to squat uh, 501. Um, that, I mean, it was a, I mean, uh, it was a you know, ball uh, that I felt I, I, I could do that. It was good, good lift yeah. and bench barely 300 and pull 550. And, uh, say, okay, I could, I'm, I'm in the game with you and, and this is raw lifting. Yeah. And so only supported equipment is your belt and wrist wraps. So now next big meet is the, is the raw nationals. It was in Pennsylvania. Uh, it was, uh, that's when I was looking for you. You're right. <laughs> that's and when so, I was trying to meet you. <laughs> It was a ton of people like they had a, that's when raw lifting just took yeah, off yeah and yeah. everybody and their brother were there and so i thought about competing against the open guys and i looked at the numbers looked at my training said no that ain't gonna work uh so i backed off what what my goals are i said i'll just i'll be a, a regular master uh and at that tournament uh also tony harris was there and it's been a while since i saw him and i'll talk about tony harris later uh that's another another conversation i love that guy uh, unique guy, yeah. and he inspired he inspires me. And so I was able to squat, you know, something over six hundred, pull over six, and bench about four hundred. And at that time, you look at the numbers; those are unofficial world records. Yeah, I said, okay, well, I, I, I got something in the bank. <laughs> uh, so that was uh, so that was uh, September of two thousand fifteen. Now, so I qualified for the world championships, and at that time, the world championships were in Texas. And so, so you spin up to to June of 2016, and uh, World in Texas, uh, and training went pretty good, and and I looked at the numbers for uh, at the world level, and I saw and I said, oh, the open squat record is at that time it was six, it was six eighty, six six eighty and change. Yeah. Um and um. Uh, so, uh, I wasn't thinking about trying to do it, but my training went pretty good. And so, uh, I, uh, opened pretty good. My second attempt was 660. It was heavier than I wanted to, but my coach, we, we kind of miscommunicated and he had a higher second than I, than I expected. Uh, but I felt pretty good. And I said, let's put this, put the number on the bar. And, uh, and I mean, I, everything fell into place. And I crushed it. Yeah. And uh, I remember that lift. I was <laughs> I was sitting here at home. I probably had a bowl of popcorn or ice cream or something. And I, I was watching that whole meet. And I remember specifically your lift, man. What a what an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. So and that was kind of unique. Uh, and so uh, and so so I bench pretty good. So I get to the deadlift. Uh, let's see. I got my opening deadlift. And my second deadlift, I started to cramp a little bit, and uh, I had someone on the team help me out, and I finished the meet pretty good. And so I, that kind of reset what I could do in terms of. I think I did the world records. That was interesting. Yeah. So that was the June of twenty sixteen. Now, now you go to the uh, to the Raw Nationals again. 
this time it was in is in Atlanta, and training went pretty good, got better, and uh, and uh, the gentleman who's the top you know kid, I started to, to compete in the open. I said, I'm I think I'm pretty good. I can give these young guns a, a run for the money. So <laughs> I put my hat in for the for the uh, in the open, and Jesse Norris was the guy, and so he's a stud. Jesse uh, Norris, yeah, yeah. Right, and so I uh, I squatted very well. I hit a 705 squat, uh, bench pretty good, somewhere in the mid mid of 400s. Now we get to the deadlift, and uh, so Jerry Seal, I think he only hit his second squat, I think 750, um, but he missed his second deadlift. And so I, I I'm just lifting. You know, I just mean the coach I had. Uh, we're just lifting just among numbers. Well, I hit my opening deadlift. I think something was six. I missed my second deadlift. It was six seventy something, and uh, and uh, and he says, well, "How you feel, Dave?" And I said, "I'm feeling pretty good." He says, "Well, he said, well, Jesse missed his second deadlift. Do you want to push this?" I said, "Sure." And so, so uh, and I remember it was like just yesterday. And so we <laughs> go to my third deadlift, and uh, it, it was it was the first time they had we call it prime time lifting, yes. where they had the top lifters lifting basically at the end of the day at the top whatever yeah. and so the crowd was pumped it was room I full remember. standing room only they had the music yep. oh um and they had uh, the mc that usapl uses that gino the guy's name. gino <laughs> and and, and I, I was standing in the doorway i said if i died and went to heaven i'm this i'm done this is perfect i mean it was it was it was it was one of those things like god i can't yeah. believe i'm still here yeah and i was a- and i was able to uh hit my third deadlift which forced Jesse to pull his third dead. If he didn't fit, if he didn't hit that, then he would have, he would have, uh, I would have taken first place. And so I was happy just to be, you know, to compete at this young kid taking second. Yeah. And, and Jesse was I, only, Jesse was only like 21, 22, something exactly. like that. Oh yeah. And you at that so time I'm, were what? 57. 56. Yeah. 50, 56. 56. Yeah. 56. And I said, wow. So <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> Uh, so I was ecstatic, uh, and so so that so that's September of uh, 2016. Uh, but I had qualified for the the world championships, and and then in in January I got this notice from Australia uh, to compete at the, they had a Australian Invitational, and that was uh, in in April. And they said we'll pay for your ticket, we'll pay for your wife. Sure. Well, the Arnold's coming up. And yeah. I didn't, and, and I said, oh, shoot, I think I overbooked myself. <laughs> and so the Arnold's beginning of March, and I trained, you know, working pretty good. And it's a unique event, though, like you said, it's uh, the, the, the who's who in powerlifting, especially in USAPL. And my parents are close enough that, that they can be there. And I always want to make sure that I can, you know, uh, pay them homage in terms of what they provided me in terms of uh, raising me. And so I always try to, you know, push myself. Yeah. And so, uh, so we is that get where it comes from? Is that where this resolve comes from? This this focus and this desire to push yourself. Does it come from your upbringing? You know, you, you're tell, you're telling us about you know this this journey, <clears throat> and you're such a humble guy. You're kind of just glossing over all of the work <laughs> that you had to do. But but I you know it's the work that you do. It's the focus that you have that inspires people. Where does that come from? Well, it's, I mean, it's just like, you know, we come from small hometowns and, you know, when you come from that type of culture in terms of everybody knows everybody and you take the village to raise a child. And so I'm a byproduct of my, of course, my family and my parents, but the community that I raised it. And so 
that type of work ethic never goes away. And so uh, when I started, you know, get back into raw lifting and I was in Norfolk and I did, I was a good fitness gym, but I found a power gym uh, and they were locked in in terms of, you know, you know, you know, you know working heavy, whatever. And, and, yeah. and a power gym type of culture differs from a fitness gym. It's very different. Very yeah, different. A, a fitness gym, basically you're on your own and, and you don't know who might show up. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do you know, a heavy competitive lift, you're uh, you're kind of on your own, and you look around for people to help you. They kind of like turn their heads yeah. away. It's like, no, it's a little too heavy. And a lot of times, you go too heavy, you might hurt yourself. Yeah, I can um, I can uh, I can attest <laughs> to that. I remember um, after I got out of the U.S. Marines and I moved to the Chicago area, and that's when I met Ed Cohen. And I was fortunate enough to be, and even though I was a bodybuilder at the time, I was fortunate <laughs> enough to be able to train with him and his crew over there at Quad's Gym. In Calumet City, just outside of Chicago, and he's a, he's a, yeah he's a he's a legend among legends. Well, abso- yeah. absolutely, and what was what was impressive was the atmosphere around him. It was a whole crew of guys, maybe 10, 12, I don't know, fifteen guys. They were yeah. all powerlifters. And that community feeling where everybody would help each other. There was always somebody to help you with a lift off or with a spot or anything. And that's that kind of powerlifting atmosphere that you're not going to find in most regular commercial gyms. Yeah, you're right. Because everybody's, is, everybody has their own goals, but they're yeah. all, you're right. There's kind of like a community of, we want to, we, we all want to push ourselves to wherever a personal higher hard expectation and we all got to need help sometimes and so when someone says they need help yeah everybody's locked in they'll stop what they're doing to help you know, help that person because there'll be a point of time whatever you, you do your workout or training some ever another day yeah. that you may need help yeah and we're just we're, we're brothers and sisters of iron i will leave it at that absolutely so, yeah <laughs> it was very admirable to see how ed and those guys trained together and like i say i was a bodybuilder but i you know i came in and i would squat bench and deadlift with them and that, that's actually where i got my first taste of the heavy lifting was squatting benching and deadlifting with ed and his crew it's just odd yeah, that after you know it took another 20 years before i started powerlifting. <laughs> but <laughs> but but the atmosphere you're right at, at a power gym when you're doing a heavy lift there's a you transition from just yes oh, casual let me work out the way to Okay, I have to lock in. Yeah. And so your mental focus, your mental acuity kind of sharpens yeah. because you cannot you cannot casually attack the weight. You have to be locked in. And I, so I say you, that powerlifting, as physical as, as it is, it's almost equally mental. You know, oh, yeah. vis, visualization, you know, focus on technique and all these things because if you don't have that, you'll end up getting hurt eventually. So the mental aspect is almost as important as the physical when it comes to powerlifting. Yeah, because when you when you moving weights multiple times, your body weight, yeah. uh, any little mistake, you can easily hurt yourself. Yeah, and so uh, so so I found a power gym, and and it it kind of got my really really fine tuned my my lifting technique again, uh, and it kind of got me a new energy of life, uh, pushing myself, and said I still got something to take. I can yeah. I can I can do some things. So. So now we get to the Arnold 2000, um, 2017. Before you uh, get into that, I have yeah. to take another music break. Sure. Sorry to interrupt. People, we'll be back. We're going to have a couple of songs I'm going to play off for you. This is Coming Home with John Allen, and my guest is David Ricks. We'll be right back. And we're back with David Ricks. Yeah, you're up to the Arnold in 2000 and... 
17. 17, the Arnold. Wait, wait, 17, yeah. Wait, yeah. yeah, 17. Yeah. And so um, uh, then the, the world record had, had, had moved to a higher number. And so I was on a big stage, and also Tony Harris was on a big stage. And so um, and so I opened pretty good, I think, um, I think in the lower 600s. And then my second attempt was 680-something, I think. And so I had a third attempt. And uh, and the part is you can choose your own numbers. Uh, and I'd done 705 or 320 kilos at the at the U.S. Nationals in, in Pennsylvania. And so 320 kilos, and your your weight class was uh, 205. 205, yeah. 205. And so uh, and uh, and I said, well, I want This is might be my last chance to do something on a big stage. And I, I said, let me, I said, let me, I want to go a little higher than that. And I felt pretty good training wise. <laughs> and my it. parents were there and, uh, and I knew the world record was not that far off. And I said, what the heck, this is kind of unique opportunity to be there with my parents and training was pretty good. And the second attempt, the 687 felt pretty good. I said, so I put the third attempt there was the world record and, uh, uh, and everything fell into place and, and I was able to hit the world record. And that was to do that a world record uh, in front of your parents is kind of unique in the yeah. sport of powerlifting. That's and so beautiful. I was fortunate, fortunate, blessed to do that. Uh, and that, and that, so that's if you'd have told me when I took time off in, in uh, 2014 that almost three years later that I'll be breaking the squat open record. Uh, and after you know my first meet back squatting 500, go from 500 to almost over 700. Ooh, I don't know if I, that, 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 that type of goal setting is way beyond, that's way, that's really a little too aggressive in your goal, especially as a master lifter. But, but you set, go but, ahead. No, I was going to say, but when you set those kind of goals, this is what I've learned. Uh, when I've, yeah, maybe not right away when I started powerlifting, but relatively soon after I started powerlifting, I started to realize that I'm stronger than pretty much everybody in my age group, <laughs> in my age group and weight class. So, there was an adjustment in my mindset when it came to setting goals. Now, it's important to not get greedy. You still have to be realistic. But didn't you come to a point where you realize, hey, I'm strong. I'm stronger than most people in the world, my age or weight class. And then didn't that do something with the goals that you set for yourself that you did start reaching a little bit further than what you used to? Yeah, you're right, because... Uh as a master lifter, you have your, your goals are basically your personal goals. But when you think you can you really push yourself, and we all will will come a point in time in terms of our athletic career that things just yeah. you have to back it off. Yes. But when you think you still can set some higher goals, uh, life is too short yeah. from my standpoint. Yeah. And 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 you're given you're on this place of earth to to help other people, and you've got to use all the talents that you got. And I, 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 I start saying, wait, if I, I think I have an opportunity to do this. So, and what it does, it, it drives your, your passion, it drives your dedication and your energy because you know, hey, if I want to hit this goal, I've got to do the work. Yeah. And the work got to be on a daily basis, incremental basis in order to hit that goal. And so if, if it was just staying in shape, then, okay, you're a little more casual in terms of your training, your intensity, and your dedication. Yeah. But you said, well, Four months from now, I want to be at this level. I want to be able to have the opportunity to hit this goal. Well, I'm going to do that. I say, okay, well, here's a week of a nine-week cycle. Week number one, 
this is what I got to do. Week number two, this is what I got to do. And so you set a daily, a weekly goal. Yeah. And then at the end of that journey, you said, I think I'm pretty close because I'm hitting most of the goals. I'm a little off, but you're not that far off based upon your plan. So you got to have a plan yeah. in order to hit that, that goal. Plan, that plan is important. I, I say this all the time. As much as I love the actual action of powerlifting, I love almost just as much the process of planning like an 8, 10, 12-week cycle. I love sitting down pen and paper and writing out my plan and right away I'll start visualizing what I need to do to accomplish each week uh, of, of training. So that can also be that mental training that you will need when the competition day comes, when you're going for that personal record or for that world record. You know, every week to me is a new mental training exercise. It's a new, um, you know, you, you we talked about long-term goals, but every week in powerlifting for me is a short-term goal. I have to accomplish this that I have planned for myself. And then you have to do that self-analyzation. Well, what can I do? Okay, I can do this, but let me push myself to do one and a half, two percent more than what I think I can do. And that's how you get better. You're right. And so, and sometimes you, you gotta, you have to, uh, uh, check the ego and make sure that sure. You're don't, not get food, well, you, yeah. don't get greedy. So I'll use a recent case in point three weeks ago, cause I'm training for a tournament at the end of February. And so, uh, Friday night is normally my squat night. And so I was just two, three, three weeks ago, I was working up and the goal was to squat, I think 290 kilos, uh, for, for five. So as I'm warming up, I get it to 225 kilos, which is 500 pounds. And normally I don't have a spotter cause I, I think I'm okay with that. Well, I was a little, uh, my technique was a little off. And after the second rep, I got a little forward. I was using a, a, uh, and, our monolith, which doesn't have uh, 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 supports on the sides. Yeah. And next thing I knew, I was leaning forward, and I dumped the weight. And everybody in the gym was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And so, uh, uh, luckily, I, I didn't hurt myself, and, and I scraped the head a little bit, but no bleeding, whatever. And so, uh, that was on a Friday night, and, uh, and so it was one of the lifters, and she's also training to be a registered nurse. And she said, are you okay? You can't, oh, how many fingers I got? So I'm good. Uh -huh. I said, well, I'm done for the night. Let's just put the weights away. Uh, but, I, but I'm training for something at the end of February. So I said, and so the next day pops up and I had, I had nothing on my calendar. And I said, should I go back to the gym? I said, what the heck? Let me see what happens. Now that right so there is a champion move. <laughs> that is what champions and legends do. And so, <laughs> and so, uh, this is about 10 o'clock, so I'm driving to the gym, and I get a text message from that the lady nurse, because uh, she make sure I'm okay. She says, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. And I didn't tell her I was going to the gym. <laughs> and so, uh, so, so I get to the gym. I'm warming up. Everything feels okay, and, I, and I'm uh, getting to, you know, warming up, and I get to the weight of 25 kilos, 500 pounds, and everything feels good. And, I, of course, I had spotters this time. And so now we get to that and I did you know, 584 with 265 kilos and I felt pretty good for five reps. Now I get to my goal weight for that day, which was 639 pounds. And, um, and I was fortunate enough to, to hit that for, for five reps. And so as I'm, cause I get very loud when I squat. And so <laughs> I'm finishing up the fifth rep and I'm yelling, whatever. And she walks in the gym and she says, who is that? She looks over. Oh, Mr. Rick, you, I, I have no more sympathy for you. What are you doing in here? I'll, I texted you. I thought you were okay. She said, yeah, but I didn't tell I was going to the gym. <laughs> so 
but that but, but that is a champion move. That's what champions do. When we come back after the music break, I want to ask you a little bit more about your mindset and methodology. Uh, this is coming home with John Allen. Listen to a little bit of music, and I'll be right back with you with Mr. David Ricks. And we're back, everybody. This is David Ricks. You know, um, missing a lift, okay, it is always, this is one thing that Ed Cohen always used to say. You need to program your training so that you never miss a lift. But it does happen that we do miss a lift in training. Now, a lot of people would have missed that lift on the Friday, and they would just wait till next Friday and then catch up on their training again. But you went back the next day and got under the bar and you did those five reps that you were supposed to do. I saw that video actually on uh, on your Instagram. <laughs> what talk, talk about, again, talk about that mindset and how you attack the issue because that's what it is. You have to, you can't run away from failures like that because we will fail. You know, you missed your lift. Uh, but you can't run away from it. You have to face it and you have to overcome it so that there's still a progression in your training. Talk about that mindset, if you would, please. Well, you, you have to listen to your body. And so when I missed that lift the day before, uh, I said, well, maybe, you know, maybe I, I was a little off balance, but, but I didn't feel anything physically after I got home. And I said, do I stop? I said, no, because I, I, I got this goal in mind. And I said, well, let me see what happens the next day. And so you kind of work the plan incrementally. Mm. You do your stretching, you, whatever, and then you start warming up. And you get really focused and make sure mechanically and technically you're doing all the right things and you listen to your body. Now, how, how, so, how dialed in on your, um, you know, when you're warming up and, and, and all that, how focused are you? Because there's some lifters who can be laughing, joking, having a good time with their friends, but they're still focused and they're still getting the work done. Other lifters, uh, I, I talk about training with Ed Cohen. It used to fascinate me. Besides his strength, what fascinated me the most was his focus. He would have this, it was like electricity around him. He was just so focused on the task at hand. And it didn't matter whether it was the first day of a 12-week training cycle or the last day of a 12-week training cycle. He was always just as focused. How, how, how do you train? Are you the serious, quiet, focused guy? Oh, yeah. I mean, I will, yes. And so as I, whatever, you know, I think I'm doing, especially squatting and deadlifting, I will get whatever that weight is. I will act like that's a real like a, a top lift, because what I what I realize is that those warm up lifts pays pays the way to whatever you do as a at the end of a training day. Yeah. And so if you're if you're not locked in or focused in, uh, you may not hit that top lift uh, because you can't as you get as an older lifter you can't mu uh, muscle a weight. You have to, you, everything's got to be locked in. You yeah. got to. You had to hit everything in terms of mechanics so you can hit that top lift as a younger lifter because you don't know your potential is. You can be a little off uh, mechanically yeah. and still muscle the lift because yeah. you have not pushed you, – you still got untapped capacity. Yes. As a master lifter, I think the – I use the analogy of, of an iceberg. A young lifter has so much potential on top of the water he hadn't touched. Us older lifters, it's like flipped over. We have yeah. tapped all that stuff above the water. We got just very little bit <laughs> ab below the water that we can kind of fine tune. It's kind of, yeah. It's kind of like 
kind of like you know, you know, sipping out a lot of whatever reserve we have in the gas tank. We're I consider myself in terms of hitting top list, kind of like running on fumes. I don't know how much much I got left, but I still got a little left to kind of keep working the plan. Yeah, and that <laughs> and that kind of goes back to you have to be smart with the way you program your training. Uh, of course, you want to push yourself, but you also have to be realistic. You know, the the careless type of lifting that the young guys do, we can't do that. Uh, those no, no, we hurt ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but um, again, your accomplishments are legendary. Let me ask you, um, and this is something that I've felt uh, also <clears throat> as a power lifter over here in the IPF branch over here in Norway. When I got the all-time squat record, I did that the year I turned 50. I got the Norwegian all-time raw squat record. And Which is amazing. Thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you. <laughs> um, and I got a lot of support, a lot of congratulations from people and stuff. But there's also that element that says, oh, well, he, he's 50 years old and he did that? Well, he must be on drugs. <laughs> Why is it that people, I mean, are, do you think that the, the issue with performance-enhancing drugs is so prevalent that people just don't believe when a natural athlete, a lifetime natural athlete like myself and like you, when we do the things that we do, they just aren't going to believe us? Well, I, I will I will tell you that you know, and I, um, which is interesting. I you know when I'm, when I got back into really competitive lifting in my late twenties, that you know a lot of those athletes at that age group were doing other stuff, and yeah. the numbers were just off the chart. Yeah. But but, but those same individuals, once they get in the mid thirties uh, and not even close to forty, they're they're they can't train like that because yeah. they beat up the bodies. Yeah. And so. You see a, a an athlete that do it at at our age, nine times out of ten, they're really because they're just taking care of the body. Because if you if you over a long period of time, if you keep pushing your body, abusing your body, your body's gonna say, "That's it, you, we can't do this no more." And so it is really uh, uh, it's almost hard to do that if you do some other stuff, okay? Because yes, yes. uh, eventually it's gonna come back. It's like it's like there's a commercial called the old all from all footer pay me now or pay me later so if you don't take care of your body it, it's going to come back to bite you yeah. and so if i was you know overdoing and, and overtraining uh you know as soon as i you know there's no way i'd be doing you know the the train the, the the top of training you need to do to hit those type of numbers your body can't handle that that type of volume because it's just your body says i'm done yeah uh and you can do me you know you know, do a push a limit you know one day one day in the gym, one day and call it a day, but to do a nine to 10 week training program and that type of slow progression uh, type of intensity, yeah. your central nervous system got to be in check. And yeah. so, uh, you, well, you said a key word, slow progression. You have to be patient. I think you should, everybody who lifts should be patient, but especially those of us who are training 100% natural lifetime, natural, it has to be a slow process. If we try to rush things uh, and try and get ahead of what we're physically capable of doing, we're asking for injury. So I think that the athletes like us at our age, you know, 50 and older, who are still getting stronger and still setting records and beating people younger than us, the key to it is patience. You've got to take your time. You're correct. And the other piece of that is really just keep refining your technique. Yes. And so... Uh, and just like the younger athletes who you know who do the you know, the videotape their the list, and I was kind of slow to the game. I said, well, "Why are we doing that?" And then I realized when you look at your tape, you know, after you get out of the gym, it's like, 
okay, I need to do this, I need to do yeah. that. And so it helps you to kind of, you know, uh, coach yourself in terms yes. of where you're missing some stuff. Yeah. And so, uh, so you have to be a uh, student of your own, your own technique in terms of your own process. And so you can't be casual. If you want to push yourself to some higher limits, you have to be very uh, focused and a student of your journey and use all the information you can to, uh, to, to improve your journey. And also in terms of your training, your nutrition. And like today, after this call, the latest morning, I'm going to my favorite chiropractor, uh, Dr. Demio down at, down at Fort Lauderdale. Preventive maintenance. Preventive exactly. maintenance. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't, you know, when I heard in the sport, I heard about chiropractic. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a student of it. And then I injured myself and I went to this guy, uh, Dr. Uh, Jerry Mullen. Uh, he's in Cincinnati, Ohio, but, but he was in San Diego and he was a powerlifter, but we met during the meet. And so I went to him and I tweaked my knee a little bit. And, uh, uh so I went to him and, and he said, I took my shoes off and I said, I'm going to work on your, look at your feet. And I said, doc, there's no trouble with my knee. I said, he said, Dave, you're an engineer. I don't tell you how to build bridges. Don't tell me how to be a doctor. I said, okay. <laughs> and so, uh, and I'm a sumo dead if you take a very wide stance. And he felt underneath my arch, and my arch was very tender and uh, uh, and, and stiff. And what happened, my, I, I was using a flat shoe like normal parts would do for, for sumo deadlifting, but I have weak arches. And my, my arch collapsed, which caused my knee to try to compensate, and uh, and I was a little, and it, it, it uh, tweaked my knee. And he says, and he worked on it, got my, and I had a meet coming up in two weeks. And so he worked on it and he said, you need to wear a shoe with an arch. And, and so for that meet, I did a, I went to a convention, a conventional style where you feed it together. But ever since then, I've always wore a shoe with an arch. Okay. And the injury, injury has never reoccurred itself again. But, uh, but, but when I think I'm a little off mechanically, I always get a tune up two or three times right before a major event. I because see. Because when you're pushing your body, yep. sometimes you get out of sync and all of a sudden you're, your skeletal frame is out of sync. You don't realize until your muscles try to overcompensate. Yeah. That's where you get the injuries. And these little maintenance things, these little things you do to take care of your body, whether it's a chiropractor or a massage or, or a, a acupuncture, for example, uh, those little things are important when it comes to longevity. Um, I, I need to take another music break. When we come back, David, I want to ask you about how does your powerlifting mindset, how do you apply that to your day-to-day -day life. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Coming Home with John Allen, and I'm talking with David Ricks. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is David Ricks. I am John Allen. This is Coming Home with John Allen. David, um, you're a legendary powerlifter. You've had quite the journey. Uh, there's a lot of things that have to be taken into consideration to have the type of accomplishments uh, that you've had in powerlifting. There's a lot of mental focus. There's a lot of physical exertion. And all of that demands a certain mindset. How have you seen that your powerlifting mindset can be applied to your day-to-day -day life, your family life, your social life, work? What do you say? Well, that, that's a very good question. And so uh, I am a uh, registered professional engineer in three states, uh, Minnesota, Ohio, and Florida. Currently, I reside in Florida. So uh, during my, uh, and I did 20 years in the Navy as, as a, in a civil engineer corps. And so the lifting part of my you know, journey in terms of, it really is my mental wellness because it helped me uh, release attention from work. But that journey in terms of having a plan and being, and being mentally focused in terms of how to work that plan translate to 
what I do in my in my daily job, and that's working on uh, leading a team, working on problems, and you break up those issues and problems and how to lead a team, and you break it up in, in small increments, yeah. and knowing that you what your overall, overall goal is, you break it down to small increments that you, if you work the plan and follow the plan, you can get there. And so one of the unique things that I, I really enjoy is part of my military background is leading teams. So currently I'm the county engineer in uh, Palm Beach, for Palm Beach County, leading a team of about 400 plus individuals. We do transportation infrastructure in terms of transportation planning, uh, in terms of the street network and capital programs, stuff like that. And then we have about a five-year capital program, about almost $400 million. But when I started there about- That's a lot of responsibility. Half, yes. Yeah. When I started four and a half years ago, I was new to that area, but I said, we need to go through a strategic planning process so I can learn about the organization and also the organization can learn about me. And so we went, we, I had a consultant come in and help, you know, engage the uh, organization. And we, you know, after about five months, we developed a, a rough strategic plan. And we had people work on the goals as a team. And that evolved for the, in the following year where the plan was really progressing at a very uh, high rate. And yeah. we updated the plan just by the internal people. But the key part of it that you want to give people an opportunity to use their talents. Uh, in terms of excelling within the organization, and but you can have to provide them a structured process so everyone's working on, on within the same plan. A structured and, process, yeah. And so training in terms of what I do in piloting, we're setting goals. I have to have a structured plan if I want to hit that goal. Yeah. And so you 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 break it up in pieces, and and then once you break it in pieces, well, I could do this on a week to week basis. Same thing on leading in teams, working on issues. You break it up in pieces, and that. That we all can kind of say instead of you know thinking about this is too hard to do. So if we pick up in pieces, oh well, we can we can work on this, and eventually yeah. you get, accomplish the ultimate goal. And so it, it allows you to become more patient to there you uh, go back to, work to the plan. Back to being patient. Back to not being greedy. Back to having a systematic approach to the task at hand. That's applicable both in the powerlifting world. And in your work environment or in your day-to-day -day life. There you go. See? <laughs> and I say this, I say this for the, see, I'm, I'm a student of mindset. And to me, it's fascinating that I can go out in my garage. I have my own gym here uh, at home. That I can go out into my garage and based upon how I perform in my training, it's going to teach me a lesson or it's going to give me a certain amount of uh, 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 sense of accomplishment that I can carry with me throughout the day. And then if you just expand that from carrying it with me throughout the day, I carry it with me throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year, throughout my life. So the lessons that one can learn about oneself in powerlifting can be used in day-to-day -day life. I'm saying that for the benefit, you and I know this, but I'm saying this for the benefit of all those people out there listening right. who are wondering why in the heck are we listening to these guys talk about powerlifting? We're not, I don't think we're just talking about powerlifting. We're talking about life because life is a series of lessons. Life is, life is a series of tasks that we have to overcome. Same thing as in powerlifting. Yeah, you're right. And so there, because, you know, the, and I, we had a, um, an internal meeting with our staff in terms of career goals and, and there was a video from someone that we showed before we had an internal meeting with a lot of our young, young empl younger employees. And you, traditionally, you say the career is like a career ladder. You hit these steps, you go up. But yeah. the reality is that your career is kind of like a, a squiggly line. 
And, yes. and so you never know where your career may take. But I think the key aspect of it is that you had to, you had to set smaller goals and be incremental. And, and we had a gentleman, uh, and he's an amazing individual. I met him a couple years ago. We had him on the, on the Zoom meeting. Uh, gentleman, you know, came from Uzbekistan, uh, was his family, knew nothing about America, came over to Florida, worked as a uh, in Dunkin' Donuts for a while, and then found someone who, uh, uh, who worked at the county and said, hey, you, you want to work in traffic? And so he applied, but he never knew how to drive. He had to have a CDL license, a commercial uh, driver license. Okay. And so over a period of a week, he got his license studying studying the the manual over a week, take over take taking exam over and over again, and then finally learned how to drive. Now he's been here about nine years, but he so he got that he, he got a job. And when I met him a couple of years ago, he was working one of our very expensive bucket trucks that you you get in the bucket truck to yeah. maintain signals. And now he recently just just got promoted, but his big and he knew very little English when he you know, when he came over here, and now he speaks reasonably well. But his big thing is that he had an opportunity, and he just worked. He just worked it. Yeah. He set incremental goals. Uh, if you'd have told him that you know ten years ago that he would come over here and get a job with the county and be working at this big county organization, it's kind of hard to kind of that I'll blow your mind. But if he said, "Well, I need to get a driver's license. Yeah. I don't know how to do this. I will I will take the test until I pass it." So he said that he got that goal. Then he learned how to drive. He got that goal. Then he started working at the county just as a low-level laborer, uh, and he got that goal. And he said, "Well, I want to work in a bucket truck." And he got trained to do that, and he became very proficient. Uh, and so his journey is amazing in terms of dedication and just yeah. the this passion. And so you can take that type of uh, lessons learned about how do we move forward in life because life is always a, a series of different experiences and so you gotta and things are positive things are some challenging but in regards to how the what happens and then you, you hear a quote is that your reaction to something in terms of your attitude challenges in terms of how well you perform so yeah. things will happen in your life but how do you react to it and how do you adjust to it is really will will, will set your journey absolutely and so amen uh, and so, for example, when I left Atlanta, I had a unique job change, and, and I was kind of forced upon me. I really didn't want to leave Atlanta, but it was forced upon me. And so I, I, I went to Norfolk, and it, it was a great job, great people, but it, it gave me an opportunity to kind of, re, kind of reset myself. Yeah. Uh, great people. I got back into the gym, started working out a little bit, and, and, then, and I did that pretty good. And then I had an opportunity to come to Florida. But the experiences and and uh, Norfolk set the stage for me to have yes. an opportunity to be in Florida. I, ne I, I would never anticipated that, but it just, but, but, but sometimes success or I'm sorry, sometimes strength can sneak up on you and successes can be hidden. In other words, sometimes people get caught up in the stress of, and all of these challenges that they have. But if you can kind of, try and have a different approach to adversity and challenge and look at it as an opportunity to learn, which will then strengthen you in ways that will put you better positioned to handle new challenges that come further down the road. Am I right? You, you, hit, you, you hit the nail on the head. Exactly. Uh, and because you never know what occurred in the future, what the future potential may be. That's right. But if you just kind of just work the plan and just work the issue and yeah. be positive in terms of how you adjust to it, and you'd be you'd be almost yeah. almost blown away in terms of what 
what doors will open for you. Let me uh, let me take another music break, David, sure. and we'll use the last five uh, five or six minutes. I want to talk about some things that you have coming up. Uh, everybody, this is David Ricks. My name is John Allen, and you're listening to Coming Home with John Allen. Here's a little bit of music for you. And we're back with David Ricks. David, <clears throat> these last few minutes, I want to ask you, uh, what do you have coming up in the future? Um, don't, haven't you been doing a series or you're planning a series of seminars with Tony Harris? Am I right? Yeah, Tony Harris and Greg Page. So we kind of put them a hold, but we'll probably start them back here probably in the near future in terms of because we have a lot of experiences to talk about in terms of how to, you know, the powerlifting journey and, and how to do the longevity of the sport is the key thing. So Greg Page, by the way, Greg yeah. Page, by the way, uh, because I went to US, uh, USAPL Nationals in Scranton in 2015 and I didn't know anybody. I was a right. USAPL member, but I was living here right. in Norway, so I didn't know anybody. <laughs> and I'm kind of wandering around. I didn't really know. It was, this was my first big meet. And Mr. Page took me almost literally by the hand and he helped me. He was my coach for my first USAPL meet. So I want to... Just give a thank you to Mr. Gregory Page, another fellow Ohioan. So yeah, he's yeah. he's the salt of the earth. He is. Just, just he's a good guy. The best of the best, and he's on the executive committee at USAPL. Just yeah. just one of the best of the so, best. So you guys are planning a series of seminars or classes. Right. Yeah. And so we haven't set it up yet for because of COVID and everything else, but we'll we'll get back on that and do that. You know, coming here pretty soon. You three are you three are the top. Uh, you know. I think most power lifters in the United States, uh, at least in the United States, would put the three of you in the top five power lifters of all time coming out of the United States. So I challenge everybody, uh, whenever David and uh, Gregory and uh, Tony put together this series of seminars, that you guys try and check it out because you will learn something. And again, I hope people understand that you don't need uh, you don't need to be a power lifter to learn those kind of lessons. These are lessons that are able to be applied into your day-to-day -day life. Um, David, I always ask my guests uh, a couple of questions uh, or a couple of things that I'd like them to do for me. Uh, if you would, I'm going to ask you a question, or I'm going to say three words rather, and I would like for you to <laughs> fill out the rest of the the rest of the sentence. Okay. Okay. You ready? Go ahead. David Ricks is. Oh, good gracious. Um, I'd just say just a humble athlete and father and, uh, yeah, and, and husband. Yeah. Humble <laughs> father, athlete, and husband. And humility, how big of a, how important is humility and how important is it to be humble? Um, many people get carried away in their successes and it kind of overshadows their journey that it took them to get there to those successes. Well, I, I think as you, you know, as you get a little older in life, you realize things could change in a heartbeat. And this, in this recent COVID challenge that we've had yeah. two plus years, yeah. you, everybody has, has known, know somebody who has a family member who's been affected by it. Uh, even my family, you know, my parents is still living, but they had COVID about two years ago. And so you, you, uh, it kind of humbles you that, you have to keep everything in proper perspective. Yeah, yeah, I would love to set these major goals, whatever. But but if everything else is falling, you know, hell in the handbasket, what good is it? Right. And so you kind of keep everything in proper perspective in terms of your family, your, your work, and everything else. 
and these other things are kind of like icing on the cake. Yeah. You, I mean, you can be well, do well in that. If it happens, if it doesn't happen, you think about the blessings you, you have in life and just keep it simple. And so things will happen if it's meant to happen. Yeah. And so the other aspect is you know, like setting small goals. You never know what the end, the end, the end result may be if you yes. really start at a small level and then you realize, God, after about four months, this is what I, this is where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, but if you set that high goal, that they go too big, you, you get almost, you get overwhelmed yeah. by it. And you, like you said, you, you can't rush success. Well, yeah, you have to I, be patient. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love having a series of short-term goals because every time you achieve that short-term goal, it's another success. It's another moment of strengthening. So, and you yeah. kind of miss all of that if you just focus on this one thing way out there. You know, you also have, you, it's okay to think about tomorrow, but you got to take care of today first. So short-term goals, I think, are the key to achieving those long-term goals. And long-term goals, very often, are you're surprised by it. You didn't know that that's really what you were going after because you're focusing more on today and the short-term goals. Exactly. So it's, um, but I, the thing I enjoyed about the uh, sport is just the people you meet because it's, it's yes. not the lifting. It's really the people and experience yes. and, and everybody in the sport, no matter what country you're in, whatever, it's like a family reunion. Uh, then when you get together and you find out what people are about and, and, and what uh, what motivates them. And so that's what I enjoy about being in the sport yeah. for as long as I am. It's just the people I've met and been fortunate enough and different experiences. And so that's yeah. what I find uh, the true blessing of the sport. Well, and, and you are a true blessing to the sport of powerlifting. You, and, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Everybody loves you, David Ricks. Uh, uh, you and I, like I said, you and I, you know, I haven't been able to give you a handshake and a, and a brotherly hug, uh, but I feel like I know you. You know, we're from the same place, uh, practically. You know, two na- neighboring rival towns, by the way, when exactly. it comes to sports. Uh, but but every time I talk about you, you know, I've told some people I was going to have you as a guest on my program, and everybody's face lights up, and they all tell a David Ricks story. <laughs> So, uh, and, and look at him, everybody. He's so humble. He doesn't, uh, he almost doesn't want to talk about this, but, but it's true. People love you, David. You, you are an inspiration to, uh, to a lot of people. You are a blessing. Uh, you are. Yeah. So I'll leave just one quote. So, uh, I went to the recent world championships in Sweden. And so, and there's a whole big story about wouldn't go to go or not go, but I was fortunate enough to compete there. Uh, and, and just the people that that I met, and so I, I eventually was able to compete and win my 10th World Championship. So the day afterwards, so I'm walking around talking to some of the other master lifters, and, and there was a female lifter from Canada, and it was, it was an interesting comment. She says, David, I don't know where you get that energy, that, that intensity. If you can bottle that up and give it to me, I'll take it. <laughs> bottle it up and sell it for a dollar. <laughs> Well, listen, man, um, the last thing I'd like to ask you to do for me, um, like I said, you're quite the inspiring figure. You're a nice guy. I call you friend. I call you brother. Uh, You and I have a lot in common. Uh, So you inspire me. But can you say something, just some words of encouragement that all of my viewers and listeners can take with them as they face their challenges? Uh, Just a few sentences. What can you say to motivate people? What do people need to hear well, I think the key thing is, you know, life is a journey and we're all blessed to be here. And the whole goal is to lift other people up and, and whatever that is in terms of what you want to do in terms of your passion, but you have to find something that you're passionate about and work hard at it and hard work. You can't 
that's something that you have to have and you got to be focused and dedicated in terms of whatever that goal is. But I think overall, as you get older, you realize that our, our journey is not by ourselves. We're here to help other people. When you do that, you actually are lifted up because that, that lifting other people up really inspires yes. you. It's and a circular so, process. Exactly. When you give, you get in return, which makes you give, which makes you get in return. It just, it's a never ending cycle. And so that is, I say that's the biggest thing in terms of Beautiful. helping other people up and finding ways to, to inspire others and helping them along their journey. Because if you realize, if you think about your own personal journey, you didn't get there by yourself. You had other people along the way, that's seen true. and unseen. And so if you, if you realize that, understand that's a, that's what my journey, that's what my purpose is to help other people along that journey. And you'd be surprised. You'll be overwhelmed in terms of how that helped you along your journey. So beautiful words from a wonderful man who is an inspiration to me and I hope that he is an inspiration to, to y'all who are listening and watching as well look at him he's so humble uh, David Ricks I want to thank you so much for gracing my program uh, thank you so much for your time and we have to do this again and I know eventually I don't know when but eventually there's going to be a powerlifting meet somewhere in the world and you and I will That's meet right. and I can give you that handshake and I can thank you for your inspiration well, thank you. This is an honor and pleasure. So this is awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. David Ricks, everybody.